beep beep. Oh, the boop boop is up and on the thing thing. The beep beep on the thing thing. The beep beep on the thing thing. We are boop, intelligent, boop. well-educated women. The beep beep, beep, beep on the thing thing go what mean? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. What mean though? What what mean though? What that mean? <laughs> what that mean? Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Bad bitch. I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if this naughty to ruse your list, shake your shoulders, shake your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be best. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Hey. Hey. Deanna. Hi, Hannah. I saw two people in the span of two weeks whip out their dicks on the subway platforms. <laughs> Not to show them around, but one of they were both to urinate. Uh, on the train? One of them started on the train and he, as he was walking off the train. Oh my God. And he continued to pee on the platform. And I was like, that's a dick. <laughs> that's a dick. <laughs> and it's, you know what I realized is how weird it is. It's going to sound insane. But how weird it is to see a dick out of the, a sexual context. Yeah. Just like a dick. <laughs> just, just like flaccid and peeing is like not something I'm familiar that like all that familiar with looking at. And I'm sure yeah. people with penises are like, oh, that's cute. But, you know. It's, I mean, they're not, I don't, they're kind of alien and strange yeah they're they're not pretty to look at they're not the kind of thing you would want to see on a regular day not when it's unbidden and on my uh, uh commute yeah and then That's... the next one it was a guy standing next to a train that was uh at the end of the line and i think he was trying to pee in between the train and the and the platform to get down to the tracks that's cool but he was definitely getting it on the train because he was peeing by the open door. Fun. I was just like, oh. Really fun. Wow. Why are dicks, though? Um, Welcome to Good Witches, Bad Bitches, where we talk about dicks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we are today. Today. It was very. It was a very New York experience. And I yeah. hadn't seen someone just like, it, it was, it, since I saw a homeless man um, come into my uh, ATM little area that you theoretically should have to insert a card to be able to get into, mm -hmm. but it wasn't closed all the way. And he just walked in and was yelling, and then he just pulled down his pants. And I wasn't sure if he was going to shit or masturbate. Oh. And I was like, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm, I gotta go. I don't have money, but please return my card. I'm going to go to a different ATM. Thanks. Bye. Ooh. He didn't even notice that I was in there. He was completely in his own. Welcome to your podcast about dicks. <laughs> this and, is a new definition. And people whipping them out yeah. at inappropriate times. That's what we talk about on the show. If you're not into that, then please Aww. see yourselves out. No. No, JK, JK, JK. Welcome to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. This is actually a podcast that, where we talk about women. <laughs> you wouldn't know it by these first five minutes, but we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Talk about ladies. Throughout history. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. That's it. Yeah. And if you're here for that, then stick around. Cause... Welcome to your new home. <laughs> exactly. Your new aural home. We're in a weird place. It's been a while since we've taped, but we're back. We're here. Yeah. Hopefully you aren't annoyed. Yeah. Hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, I know we did. 
Yeah, you had a pretty chill one. We had a really chill Thanksgiving. It was full of good food, but it was just the two of us, so we ate a lot. And Chester. Chester got some pumpkin as well and is now obsessed with pumpkin. pumpkin obsessed. So that's great. I mean, Um, I get it. I'm also pumpkin obsessed, but I'm a basic white girl, so. And so is my cat. Yep. Great. We're both gingers, so. (laughs) Yes. It only Mm. makes sense. All right, so I've oh. got I've got some lady history to dive into, but what do you want to oh, start us off with? Well, I wanted to just like have a little check in because pow-wow. we so we did Alexandria, we did Alexandria Ocasio Cortez before uh, she won her 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 seat in Congress. Yes, and I I like I don't have a specific article, but I kind of wanted to mention her because she is shaking things up already. She has let loose from her figurative uh, self-restraint, which I think she was even keeping in because she was waiting until she was for sure elected. Yes. And now she's been elected and she is on fire. Raring and ready to go. Yeah. And she's (laughs) like... kind of amazing. Well, because Fox News does not know what to do with her. And it's amazing. They're peeing their pants over her. They can't figure out what to to say, how to report on her. Well, they want to talk about is her clothes. Yep. That's all they want to talk about. She doesn't look so poor. Look at her nice clothes. That's, yeah. Yeah. And and they know what they're doing, too, because they know they know how to do PR for their own people. They know how photo shoots work, that you get loaned clothes for photo shoots. And, and also, like, yeah, her clothes look nice, but what (laughs) you can thrift store like shop and also who fucking cares well it's it's part of that that strategy to like they're trying to prove that she's a liar and that she's a hypocrite yes and that she's not who she says she is and what's funny is is most democrats who get that treatment from fox fall all over themselves to like prove it's not true and they and they they dive into that game and she's just like Y'all are crazy. She just laughs. She just laughs at them, and it's so perfect. And but she does address what they say, but she's not going like, no, 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 no. She's like, huh, clearly you guys are idiots because you don't know about thrift store shopping. Sorry that I know how to rock a look. Yeah. Like, oh. And if you're not following her on Instagram yet, you should. Or Twitter. Or Twitter. But her on, on Instagram, she will do a lot of Instagram live sessions where she talks about, like, what she's doing, what she's planning to do, and how, like, how Congress works. And it's something that w- that is really refreshing because a lot of us don't actually know those ins and outs. Yeah. Like, yesterday she did one where she walked us through what her future office is going to be. Yeah. And so it was really interesting because, you know, the general person watching her Instagram now has seen what the, what the office of a, of a, congressperson looks like yeah and, and it's really She's fascinating also hiring right now people should go look into that she is hiring Ooh, in fact maybe i will post a link mm-hmm. to that because there are a lot of jobs yeah that she's looking for i um, definitely looked at some of them but too. i'm really unqualified for most of them i think the only one that i'm qualified for would be her schedule planner which was like oh yeah which was like you know, we you drive her around and, and you're in charge of her schedule. Yeah. Basically, they're like, if you have a driver's license, that's a plus. I'm like, hey, I have that. But most of them, she's like, it's a plus if you have ties to the Bronx, which I don't really, not officially. And also, like, a big plus if you speak Spanish or Bengali. Yeah. 
and I was or Mandarin, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, Whoa. no. Also, Fox News can't pronounce her name right, and I love how she was like, I've corrected you guys three times, and you've been following me for months now, and they still call her Alexandra uh, Ocasio-Cortez, which yeah. I was guilty of doing at first because I had no idea. Right. But, but now I don't because I know how her name's pronounced, and if she's corrected them, they're specifically being racist. Yes. <laughs> it's intentional. Yeah. But I love that she, like... Coming from the background that she does, she's able to tweet things like this. Okay. Um, she said, this was from December 1st. In my onboarding to Congress, I get to pick my insurance plan. Oh, yeah. As a waitress, I had to pay more than twice what I will pay as a member of Congress. It's frustrating that Congress members would deny other people affordability that they themselves enjoy. Yeah, also they make way more money. And what's than, interesting, than bartenders do. Yeah, so many of them don't realize that there are these inconsistencies because they've a lot of them come from places of of if not wealth at the very least middle class mm-hmm. and she doesn't. She comes from a background where she has been poor and she has had to work two jobs in order to make ends meet. And so she's it's just it's like it's so fascinating that our political system doesn't know how to deal with someone who has the background of most of the other people in our country. And the backbone that they don't have. Exactly. So anyway, I just wanted to... Uh, have, a, have a check-in. Have a check-in, because she's already just, she's like, she's building her committee for the Green New Deal. Like, uh-huh. she's getting people involved with uh-huh. that, which I think is really cool. And um, I will be very curious to see how she progresses and what she does when she's actually in in office. Because yeah. she's not even in office yet, and she's, Mm-mm. like, shaking shit up. Oh, people are quaking in their boots. Yes, they are. I it's, love it. It's fantastic. But All it, the new incoming freshman Democrats, especially the women, and most especially the women of color, it's, like, the coolest watching them. And they're all, like... Constantly supporting one another and posting how, like, hyped they are for yeah. each other. And it's really cool. What's up, witches? We have some really exciting news. We have just launched our Patreon. Yay! Woohoo! Something we've been trying to do for a while. Yes. And we've finally gotten there. Yes. And if you are not familiar with Patreon, it is basically a platform that helps content creators like us, like us make a little bit of money to help with costs associated with creating that content. Right. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast, mm-hmm. um, and we'll have the link in our show notes. Yes. At the moment, we have a very basic tiered system. You get to be a patron of this show, and you can opt in to whether or not you want to be a good witch patron or a bad bitch patron. It's the same if you do a minimum donation of $3 or more per month, and uh, the first 10 people of each will get a free pin corresponding, corresponding to whichever option you chose hell yeah and you'll get a shout out on the podcast as a good witch or a bad bitch whichever one you choose to be which is pretty fucking rad yeah we're pretty excited about that and we really appreciate all of the support that you guys have given us thus far and that you'll continue to give us hopefully fingers crossed and we look forward to seeing you in our patriosphere hell yeah matriosphere on patreon (laughs) Yeah. yeah Let's go with it. Cool. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. We love you. All right, girl. Tell me about tell me about some ladies. Well, I'll tell you about one lady in particular. Okay. Uh, and I think I'm just gonna dive right in. 
um, without really giving you much preface because I think that this is a pretty good intro. That sounds perfect. My sources this week are New York Times, Wikipedia, and thebetterindia.com. Mm. Oh, and Aisha Khan is the author of the New York Times stuff that I used, mm. which I think is important. It was probably the first ghost story in Indian cinema. A bewildered young man in a mansion chasing glimpses of an ethereal veiled beauty. The, the movie Mahal was a huge success, making the lead actress Madhubala, who was barely 16, a superstar overnight. Oh, shit. Nearly seven decades later, strains of the film's signature song, Ayega Anawala, He Will Come, are instantly recognizable to most Indians, evoking the suspenseful tale of lost love and reincarnation. Madhubala's tragic turn in the film as an enigmatic young woman in search of love seemed to foreshadow her own glittering but short life. Oh no. Asked once to describe herself, Madhubala said she was so young when she entered the maze of the film industry, she made her debut at nine, that she had lost herself. Quote, when you've forgotten yourself, what can you tell people about yourself? Mm. Oh, mm. that's so sad. Mm. Besotted poets called her a living Taj Mahal. But Madhubala's radiant beauty was not cold or forbidding. Her dreamy eyes, vivacious smile, and mischievous laughter gave her a girl-next-door appeal. She has often been compared to Marilyn Monroe. There was a remarkable similarity in the soft vulnerability of their faces, writes Katija Akbar in her biography of Madhubala. The same abandon to their laughter had thrown back that same incandescent glow. She was born on February 14th. Valentine's oh. Day, 1933, as Mumtaz Jehan Begum Delavi to Atula Khan <laughs> and Aisha Begum. Her father was a Pashtun from the old Peshawar Valley, which includes the present-day regions of Mardan and Swabi, which are now in Pakistan. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Her father belonged to the Yusufzai tribe of the Pashtuns, which is like Malala Yusufzai, maybe. I don't know, but that's the only, uh, Yusufzai, how common can that be? Anyway, um, he wrote, he relocated his family to Delhi and then Bombay, now Mumbai, after he lost his job at the Imperial Tobacco Company in Peshawar. Their family endured many hardships. Madhubala's three sisters and two brothers, uh, or she had three sisters and two brothers who died at the ages of five and six. Um, a dock explosion and fire on April 14th, 1944, when she was 11, wiped out their home. The family Oof. survived only because they had gone to see a movie at a local theater. Oh, that's fucking lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, with six remaining daughters to provide for. Ugh. Now forget, don't forget, uh, she already had five siblings die and had six remaining, uh, six daughters. Oh my God. Uh, to provide for, Khan and the young Madubala began to, pl- to pay frequent visits to Bombay Film Studios to look for work. At the oh. age of nine, Madubala was introduced to the movie industry, which would provide financial help for her family, and she learned to drive at the age of 12. Now, at this time, was Bollywood like what it was kind of this already the Hollywood of India? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. I didn't realize that it had gotten... It kind of had its own golden age in like the, the 40s and 50s, just like wow. um, Hollywood did. All right. I did not it, know it that. It definitely had its own... like appeal and and sensational uh, well, popularity. Yeah, people clearly enjoyed it because it grew. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hugely. 
Um, so her first movie was called Basant, and it was released in 1942. It was a box office success. This was the one where she was nine. Um, she played the daughter to actress Mumtaz Shanti um, and was credited as baby Mumtaz in the film. <laughs> and re- remember, her birth name was Mumtaz. Oh, so, okay. Mm-hmm. So now she's okay. baby Mumtaz. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it became <laughs> the highest grossing Indian film of that year. A nine-year-old Mumtaz often tottered around various studios in Bombay searching for work. After she began to star in her own films, Baby Mumtaz was advised to assume the screen name Madubala, which translates to Honey Bell. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot like Marilyn Monroe being advised to. Norma Jean Baker, right? Assume a name, yeah. Yeah. Um, she achieved stardom and popularity in 1949 when she was cast as the lead in Mahal, which is the movie we talked about at the beginning. Okay. It was a role intended for well-known star Soraya. Madubala, alongside a number of established actresses, screen tested for the role before she was selected by the film's director. So she beat out the woman who the role was the, actually like, written for. The actual star. Mm-hmm. Damn. The film was the third largest hit in the 1949 Indian box office. Following the success of that film, she consequently appeared in four more consecutive box office hits from 1949 to 1951. Damn, girl. She was known for her fastidious work ethic. Always on set at 6 a.m. no matter what. Hmm. She took on as many films as possible so that she could support her family financially. Ugh. That's such a, yeah, that's an interesting time. Because mm-hmm. Hollywood was, I mean, I guess maybe not not quite that late. But, like, in the, in the 20s and 30s and somewhat in the 40s, like, you could just do that. You could, like, take on, you know, all films. Jobs, yeah. You could take on all these jobs and be in, you know, 15 films a year if you wanted. Like, mm-hmm. It was although in Hollywood, I think it was like you were associated with a particular studio. Yes, that's true. You signed. often signed a contract with the studio, and then they would work you like a dog. Yeah, um, just constantly churning shit out for them. Yeah, since they're paying you for a yearly contract or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, in the Bollywood scene. It was a newly independent India finding its place in the world. Mm. Uh, Madubala often portrayed modern young women testing the limits of traditions. Interesting. Her roles embodied the optimism of a new generation, which was rather consciously moving away from its colonial past. Unlike other actresses of the time, she was not typecast. Her natural understated acting style brought her equal success in serious social dramas and in light-hearted comedies, lighthearted comedies and period pieces as well. Damn. So she could just kind of do whatever she wanted. She was really, really good. Um, She could play with equal ease a spoiled heiress in Mr. and Mrs. 55, a reporter investigating a murder in Kalapani, and a rebellious woman whose car breaks down in the comedy Chalti Kanamgadi, which means if it ain't broke. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Um, By the early 1950s, as Madhubala became one of the most sought-after actresses in India, she attracted interest from Hollywood. In 1951, she caught the interest of Hollywood uh, photographer James Burke when he visited India and photographed her for Life magazine. In the feature of her in Life magazine, they called her the biggest star in the international industry. She also appeared, um, she was featured in Theater Arts magazine in August 1952, and the headline read, she's the biggest star in the world and she's not in Beverly Hills. Ha. The article described Madhubala's immense popularity in India and explored her wide appeal and very large fan base. It also speculated on her potential for international success. 
Academy Award-winning American director Frank Capra, while visiting Bombay for a film festival, told her that he wanted to give her a break in Hollywood. But uh. her father, who controlled her career, said no. How old was she? In her 20s. So her dad her was dad, her manager yeah, then. He was also a film producer by this time. Ugh. And But she... I'll continue. Um, she was very much tied to um, duty to family and yeah. duty to her father. And uh, unfortunately, like, she could have been... She's a mass... Like, everybody in India apparently knows her. But I didn't know her name until now. And she could have been an internationally known name. That's crazy. Do but you her know, dad was just like, no. Do you know why? Like, why he... He just wasn't into it. Maybe he thought that Hollywood was corrupt and, and like, gross and, uh, I mean. Which, fair. Sure, but, I mean, I'm sure Bollywood was also Had its the own same shit, way. yeah. yeah. Um, maybe he didn't want her to leave home. Maybe he wanted her to stay nearby. Yeah. I, God. But she, she <sighs> respected his wish. Um, so she acted in as many as 70, 70 films. Uh, of wide-ranging genres, 70 films from 1947 to 1964. Oh, my God. 70 films. But only 15 of those movies were uh, box office successes. She was, like, cranking them out. Oh. But just to give money to her family. Yeah. As opposed to having the selection to, you know, make artistic choices for what she wanted to do. Right. Um, She was in the Bollywood adaptation of Jane Eyre. Oh. Which was called Songdeal. Uh, and it was the seventh highest grossing film of 1952. That's cool. She also happened to be in the first ever Hindi film to get an A rating, which was adults only. Wait, an, oh, A, okay. Adults. Sorry, my brain was like, an A, like an A plus? Mm. <laughs> no. Adults only. Like. Basically their equivalent of R rating. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. Many senior actors praised her acting skills. Her first love and fellow actor Dilip Kumar noted that, quote, had she lived and had she selected her films with more care, she would have been far superior to her contemporaries. Mm. He also points out that actresses those days faced a lot of difficulties and constraints in their career. Unable to assert themselves too much, they fell back on their families who became their caretakers and defined everything for them. Yeah. Madhubala was uninhibited for an Indian actress of her time, though. She was playful and flirtatious and made news for her dalliances. Uh, Tarana, a movie from 1951, paired her with the aforementioned star Dilip Kumar, who played a doctor who fell for Madhubala's feisty village girl. (laughs) She was immediately smitten with him, 10 years her senior, and reportedly sent him a rose, which was the beginning of a long romance. Oh, she courted him. She sent him a rose. Mm -hmm. Um, the two were the talk of film magazines. Fans loved them together because they starred in a bunch of movies together. Ship it. Uh-huh. Uh, she lived a far more liberal lifestyle than most Indian women of the time, with romance itself an act of subversion in a conservative society. In a conservative society that where marriage is arranged. Frequently, yeah. Frequently. Or at least approval. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, in, in doing this research, like, she... Obviously, uh, came from an area that is now uh, Pakistan, and yeah. um, her family was Muslim, actually. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. But, you know, so obviously, uh, it seems like her dad didn't approve of her being with anybody who was um, Hindu or not Muslim, 
Um, and yeah. that caused some issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. It was the film Mughal i Azam, which means the great Mughal, that marked what many consider to be Madhubala's greatest and definitive Definitive. <laughs> Definitive characterization. I've had a lot of coffee. As the doomed courtesan Anarkali. The film took nine years to make. Oh, it was God. the most expensive Indian movie of its time. Did she do other movies like simultaneous? I think she so. must have. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the film Whoa. that gave her an opportunity to fulfill herself completely as an actress. Oh. It's the role she's like most known for. Um, wow. Dilip Kumar had recommended her as the co-star for the film which was based on the legend of a romance between the Mughal Prince Salim and a dancer, Anarkali. One of its most memorable sequences, the only one originally filmed in color, is a dance in a hall of mirrors faithfully recreated from a Mughal palace. A defiant Anarkali declares her love before the disapproving Emperor Akbar with the daring refrain, I have only fallen in love, I have nothing to fear. In keeping with the era, the two lovers barely embrace, let alone kiss. Yet. Weird. Yes. Uh, so Yet. weird to think about. Uh-huh. A scene when Salim caresses Anarkali's face with a feather is considered one of the most erotic in Indian cinema. Oh. Okay. Hilariously to me, by the time the scene was filmed, because the movie took a decade to yes. make, um, the two were long estranged. So they oh. weren't lovers anymore by that point. Weird. <laughs> but this they is had like... been. Because it took... Nine years to make that fucking movie. This is why dating your co-star is precarious. It's a bad idea, mm -hmm. generally, yeah. generally speaking. <laughs> they had initially been eager to marry, but of course her dad had set conditions, Ugh. including that they star in movies that he would produce. That was part of their marriage um, like stipulation. Jesus, Dad, back off. And so Dilip Kumar demanded of Madhubala that she choose between either him or her father. Oh, God. She chose her family. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also an ugly lawsuit over another movie, which hastened their breakup. Mm. Um, she was a very, very obedient daughter and who, in spite of her success, fame, and wealth, submitted to the domination of her father and more often than not paid for his mistakes. Oh, God. Some believed that this inability to leave her family was her greatest drawback. And well, I'm sure some respect her for it. Well, it's, yeah. You know. The conservative element, I, like, I, I understand that yeah. that's admirable mm -hmm. in the conservative sense. But, like, she was, she was like a would-be Marilyn Monroe and mm -hmm. was stifled by the shit that her dad was putting her through, and that mm -hmm. sucks. Like, can you imagine... If, if one of your, like, stipulations to get married was, oh, and you guys have to work together on stuff that I pay for. You have to. You have to make this, like, about me somehow. Yeah. Which I get, it's, whatever. Like a dowry or whatever, but it's going the other way. It's... That's weird. Anyway, once asked her thoughts on love, Madubala said, no peace or happiness is possible in life without true love. Man. Which that can be perceived in multiple ways. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, so in 1960, which was the year Mughal-e-Azam was released, after taking nine years to make, um, <sighs> she was 27 years old, and she married her other frequent co-star, Kishore Kumar, who was a talented singer. While their pairing in a string of comedies with Cinema Gold off-screen, the two were quickly estranged. Oh. According to Kishore's fourth wife, 
Uh-oh. Fourth wife. Um, quote, when she realized Dilip was not going to marry her on the rebound and just to prove to him that she could get whomever she wanted, she went and married a man she didn't even really know. Some have assumed that Madubala may have felt perhaps it was her best chance because by this time she became seriously ill and was about to stop working completely. However, it was added that it was a most unlikely union and wasn't particularly happy. So um, she got married in 1960, but by the late 1950s, her health was deteriorating rapidly. So she was 26. Oh, no. She was born with a ventricular septal defect, which was she had a hole in her heart. Oh. And had just gotten diagnosed after she began working, like, heavily. Um, of course, like, there's no treatment for that, especially at this time. And she was working long hours, like, really hard, and it was stressful. So she continued working at a punishing pace. You know, she did more than 70 movies, always on set at 6 a.m. Um, and she had told a friend, quote, No sooner had I learned what I was doing, God said, enough. Her sister explained that uh, her ailment caused her body to produce extra blood internally because the hole. Um, so, like, blood would come out of her nose and mouth oh, when she worked too hard. God. Mm -hmm. She would have doctors uh, come over and extract the extra blood. She oh. suffered from pulmonary pressure in her lungs. She coughed all the time. And every four to five hours, she had to be given oxygen. Otherwise, she would be unable to breathe. Oh, Lord. So really, like, her, you know, birth defects really became exacerbated by how hard she had been working. When did they find out about this defect, you said? It said as soon as she began working, but that she started working at the age of nine. So yeah. my guess is, like, as soon as she began working hard, like, doing a lot of oh work. Oh, my God. Like, when she, you'd be on set all day, and then all of a sudden, no, blood would be coming out of your nose and mouth. People would be like, are you okay <laughs> if this happened on the regular? Jesus. I don't know. Like, she punished herself with working super hard in order to like help her family and she also clearly enjoyed it she clearly enjoyed it but like she i mean doing 70 films over x amount of years and like most of them are years, yeah. most of them are not box office successes like if like i feel like if she had it her way she would be picking and choosing you would think you would think well so her father was in control of her career, probably demanding that she take more and more. Yeah. Because they knew she was in high demand. So he Ugh. would be like, oh, you can do another job. You can do this. You can do that. And he knew about her defect and he yeah, knew yeah, that he she was, was in dad. pain. I mean, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. Ugh. Um, it says here next, uh, the director of The Great Mughal, probably unaware of the extent of her illness, not many people knew the deep extent, um, required long shooting schedules that made strenuous physical demands on her. Whether it was posing as a veiled statue in suffocating makeup for oh. hours under the studio lights or being shackled with heavy chains. Um, oh it was God. also a time when her relationship with uh, Dilip Kumar was fading and the lives of Madubala and her screen character were consistently seen as overlapping because of the overwhelming sense of loss and tragedy that clung to both of them and which neither of them could escape. Oh. So that movie was released in 1960, um, broke box office records in India, became the highest grossing film at the time, and held that record for 15 years. Damn! The highest like grossing movie until 1975. The Titanic of its time. Yes. Um, and so... At that time, obviously, she was at the peak of her career and popularity, um, but most of her films released after that one were marred by her absence and subsequent lack of completion due to her heart problem affecting her ability to work. 
Um, These films suffer from compromised editing and in some cases the use of doubles in an attempt to patch in scenes that she was just unable to shoot. Oh, God. Um, Her last film that was released uh, was filmed in the late 1950s and wasn't released until 1971. Um, And at that point, like, she and her husband weren't living together. He would just come visit her every once in a while and apparently she would... um, try and call him all the time because she was kind of um, bedridden a mm. lot because of her illness. And often her husband's phone was uh, off the hook and disconnected on purpose. And he'd visit her only every few months because he would say, if I come, you'll cry and it won't be good for your heart. What a piece of shit. You should rest. You're f- fuck. What a supportive, loving partner. Ugh. And he, uh, yeah, apparently after she died, he married another actress like six weeks after that. She was surrounded by loving and supportive men. Yeah, nothing in life in life without true love. She says nothing is possible. Sorry, um, this is tragic. I know. God damn it! In 1966, with a slight improvement in her health, she made a valiant attempt to complete her work uh, in a, a movie called Chalak, um, which only needed a short spell of shooting, but ultimately she couldn't get through it. Like that's how bad she was. Like I feel better. Let's do this, and mm. then she tried and couldn't do it. So she realized acting was no longer really an option for her, and she decided she wanted to direct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Still strenuous. Yeah. But you're not on screen, so if you get a nosebleed. She's blade, not on the makeup. She's not, she doesn't have to worry yeah. about appearing healthful and yeah. um, youthful and beautiful, even wow. though she was still. Um, so in 1969, she was set to make her directorial debut. But the film never got made because she died during pre-production. No! Uh, In her final days, according to her sister, she would say, I want to live. Please, God, let me live. She died on February 23rd, 1969, nine days after her 36th birthday. 36? Barely 36. Oh, my God. She was buried at... Juhu Muslim Cemetery in Santa Cruz, Mumbai. Her tomb was built with marbles and inscript marbles. Marble. <laughs> it says marbles, but I told you, like, this Wikipedia article was written by people who, who very oh, clearly spoke Hindi better than they spoke English. I needed a dose of lightness anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, her tomb was built with marble and had inscriptions oh, from the God. Quran in it. Controversially, though, her tomb was demolished in 2010. What? To make way for newer graves. Oh, my God. I know. I just... Um, yeah. God damn it. Uh, despite her success and the breadth of her work, her acting skills were always underappreciated at the time. She never won any awards, even for her biggest hits. Um, everyone always went on about how beautiful she was, but she really was able to hold her own against some acclaimed actors. Madubala. Honey Bell. Tana, you didn't tell me this was going to break my heart. Well, I did say at the beginning that she had a short life. I know, but, you know. Short, tragic life of one of the most hardworking actresses in the industry. I was going to say, like. 70 movies. I don't even think Marilyn Monroe did that. No, I doubt it. I'm Now I'm going to And Marilyn look. Monroe lived past 36. Yes. Not much longer, but. 70 movies in her lifetime? 70 movies. That was just in the span of 17 years. I'm sure it was more than 70 movies total. Over Marilyn Monroe's career, she has 33 acting credits on IMDb. Wow. Like, and that's from 1947 to 
Her last one is 1962. Yeah. So. So she lived a little, you know, longer than Marilyn Monroe, but obviously she was born later. But it's, it, I don't know. It's really interesting to think about, like, what she would have accomplished and, like, what she would have chosen to do had her father not been so heavily involved and had she not felt so responsible for the income of her family, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. Marilyn was able to clearly pick and choose a little bit more and Mm -hmm. do things that were much more geared toward her image and her brand and that kind of thing. And when you, when you're just doing every movie you can, because you're trying to keep your family going, that's hard. And you're doing it with a fucking like hole in your heart. Congenital heart disease. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're just removing extra blood while she's on set so she can keep, Going. Going. Yeah. I, I mean, oh my God. Yeah. It's, that's so, that's so crazy. Yeah. That was lovely and sad. Yeah. <laughs> the would-be, would-be Marilyn. The would-be Marilyn of Bombay. Or Bollywood. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. She's pretty cool. I want to watch some of her movies because you have yeah. a, a big spread to choose from. At least 70. <laughs> More than 70 <laughs> movies. God damn. Yep. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Thanks, lady. You're welcome. You Hopefully. Wanna... I was intrigued. You want some on this day in yeah, history? T- tell me about some on this day. Um, December 5th, 1484, Pope Innocent VIII issues the Sumus Desiderantes Affectibus. Mm, ooh, <laughs> Affectibus. <laughs> <laughs> A papal bill that deputizes two German dudes, as inquisitors to root out alleged witchcraft in Germany. Oh, shit. That's fun. There we go. December 5th, 1492, (gasps) Christopher Columbus... (laughs) Sailed the ocean blue? ...becomes the first European to set foot on the island of Hispaniola, now Haiti and the Dominican Republic, which, if people will recall... Is exactly the time that he met Anna Kaona. Oh, oh, yes. She's from Haiti. Oh, fucking Christopher. Fuck you. Goddamn. December 5th, 1933, the 21st Amendment is ratified and in which the U.S. Constitution. The 21st Amendment is the amendment that repealed the 18th Amendment, <laughs> which was prohibition. Oh. So 1933 is officially when d- Americans could drink booze again legally (laughs) fucking hilarious right december 5th 1952 the great smog a cold fog descends upon london combining with air pollution and killing at least twelve thousand people in the weeks and months that follow oh my god i was gonna laugh because the great smog is kind of a it was a hilarious huge deal and they cover it in season one of the crown because it was like one of the first big things that Queen Elizabeth had to deal with. Yikes. Because it was just, it was like a weather pattern mixing with the intense amount of pollution that they were producing. Yeah. That made it like heavy and it didn't move. Oh. And it was killing people because the air quality was so bad. That's a big old yikes. Big old yikes. They fixed it. It's fine. (laughs) Ish. Uh, December 5th, 1955, E.D. Nixon and Rosa Parks lead the Montgomery bus boycott. Ah. Yeah, Yeah. Very cool. December 5th, 1999, Helen Clark is sworn in as Prime Minister of New Zealand, the second woman to hold the post and the first to be elected to the role. 
They're way ahead of us. Yeah, I was going to say, New Zealand's got their shit together. Because <laughs> they also, ju- they have a, f- a female prime minister now. Yeah. Yeah, who just had a baby. Yeah. Yeah, in yep. office. Yep. Yay. I know. Uh, births. December 5th, 1782. Uh, happy birthday to Martin Van Buren, the eighth president of the United States. All right. Um, December 5th, 1901, Walt Disney. Which, you know, he had his issues, but did create one of the biggest companies on the planet, if not the biggest, really. The most instantly recognizable, you know, uh, characters. 1916, December 5th, Hilary Kaprowski, Polish-American virologist and immunologist who created the world's first effective live polio vaccine. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Maybe we should do her. We should. Hilary Kaprowski. Make a note. Noted. Mm-hmm. Uh, December 5th, 1926, Adetowan Ogunsheye, who was the first female Nigerian professor and university dean. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. When, what year was that? 1926 was she... is when she was born. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, happy birthday to Margaret Cho, born 1968. Margaret Cho! On December Cho! 5th. So. I think I was just, I think this was Margaret Cho, where I was reading about, um, she's, she's, either producing or executive producing a web series about Asian sex workers in BDSM. Oh, that's cool. And it looks really, really interesting. I'm, I would be interested in that. Yeah, I'll, I'll find the link to that and nice. post it here and I'll send it to you. Nice. And also there were a lot of crazy deaths <laughs> on December 5th. So 1791, December 5th is when Mozart died. Oh no, Mozart. Cool dude. Bye bye. Uh, 1870, uh, Alexandre Dumas, who is the author of The Three Musketeers. Oh, The Musketeers. French novelist and playwright. Uh, 1926, December 5th, RIP to Claude Monet. Oh, wow. Mm hmm. This is a big day for I know. That's artists. what I was saying. Jeez. And it, it's going to continue. Uh, 2012, December 5th, uh, Rips Dave Brubeck who he's a uh, American jazz pianist and composer. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, so- the Take 5 song is Dave Brubeck. Okay. The um cuz it's in 5/4 time like do you know what song I'm talking about? Uh, no, but it's fun to hear you um <laughs> I love Brubeck. <laughs> He's great. Also, uh, it is the anniversary. 2013, December 5th, uh, was the day Nelson Mandela died. God. It's like a lot of crazy big, a lot of crazy big peeps. I guess today is the day. I know. Wow. Thank you. You did good, kid. What are you excited about this weekend? Um, I'm excited about two things. <laughs> One is... Uh, my the book that I'm working on because you know I'm just excited to be working on a new book. Whoop, whoop. Um, and it's fun and there's magic and you Yay. know it's yeah it's just entertaining. <laughs> it's nice to like be writing something that I'm excited to be writing and makes me happy. Mm. So I'm excited about that and then I'm also excited about all of the Christmas movies on Netflix. Fuck yes, <laughs> the, because it's so bad that they're amazing. Christmas yes. movies? Yes. I've just been thinking about them a lot because plenty of people are watching them and tweeting about them, and so that's my plan. It's like Netflix took Lifetime holiday movies or Hallmark holiday movies 
and raise the level of cheesiness. And yeah. that seems hard. Like raise, it's like Hallmark uh, Christmas movies or holiday movies on speed. <laughs> like, it kind of makes me want to make one. Right? Yes. Yeah. They just seem like you so much totally fun. You totally write one of those scripts. Just totally. Just write it with abandon. Don't give a shit about plot holes or bad dialogue. Like don't edit it. Just write it yeah. and submit it. And they'll be like, great, approved. Done. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. I just I just need to watch a few, do my research, and, yep. you know, then yep. I'll embark. But, yeah, so I'm excited to watch watch some of those because they look hilarious and terrible and wonderful. And, and you haven't seen Christmas Prince. Nope. The first one, which came out last year. Yep. And now they're doing a sequel, which is apparently worse. Yep. And I'm so excited <laughs> to drink wine and watch that shit. Oh, God. It's because be the so first good. one – I'm going to repeat this for the listeners because I was telling – Alex, how excited I was for this sequel. And he goes, do you even remember how mad you were the entire time we watched the first one? You were yelling at the TV the whole time because you hated it so much. And I was like, I loved to hate it, though. It was the best. It's so much fun to hate on and get angry by bad movies. It just is. Exactly. And I get the sense that the Vanessa Hudgens one is actually going to be quite excellent. Actually going to be, like, pretty uh, charming. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I love Vanessa Hudgens. And she's – it's also – well, actually, I don't know. Is she white or is she Hispanic? I think she's Filipina. Philip. Okay. Google, tell us so that I don't have to be in suspense. Um, (laughs) But it'll be nice to see someone not super white and blonde in one of these movies. Yeah. Uh, her father, Greg, uh, was of Irish and Native American descent, and her mother is Filipina, a native of Manila. All right. So she's Native American, Filipina, and white. Cool. Awesome. All right, girl. All right, are we done? I think we're done. We should mention, um, in case anyone hasn't uh, noticed yet, and we haven't been plugging this a lot because we've, you know, the holidays have been here and we're, we're still getting things situated, but we're going to start talking about this more. Um, and that's our Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Which we did launch, and Become we're going our patron. to be. Yeah, we're going to be adding tiers uh, later. Shakespearean but... troops. Yes, because you'd have like the Kingsmen and stuff. Become our become our backer, and we will plug the shit out of your name. That's right, and you get to pick. We will be your ladies. You get to pick whether you're a good witch or a bad bitch, or both, or both. And, uh, and I'm a little of both. We'll give you a shout out as one of those things. Um, so our Patreon is patreon.com slash GWBB podcast. Heard curse. And um, we'll put that, that in the show notes yep. as well. Yep. It'll always be there from now on. And uh, Won't you find your spirit of giving in yeah. this, the holiday season? Help us keep for going. Broke millennials. <laughs> Help us pay for who things are, like hosting. Doing and their passion project. Yeah, this thing keeps us, like, sane. Sane. So mm-hmm. help us stay sane. We really appreciate it. Please. And um, otherwise, we're on social media and all the usual places. GWBB podcast. And, uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's it. I think we're good. All let's, right. Uh, let's uh, say goodbye till next week. Peace out, witches. Bye. We love you. I love you. Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you for our listening. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and more. Basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
If you like our podcast, it would be really helpful if you could please like and subscribe, rate and review, share with your friends on social media, word of mouth, mm -hmm. all of that. It's great. Yes, and you can find us on Twitter at GWBB Podcast. Instagram is the same, and we are on Facebook under Good Witches, Bad Bitches Podcast. And hey, guess what? If you want to hear all of our episodes, they are all up at our website, GWBBPodcast.com. If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to share with us and that you want us to share on our podcast at some point, you can email us at GWBBPodcast at gmail.com. Hey guys, you know what? If you like what you hear, maybe please consider a little bit of supporting us financially by visiting our tip jar. Um, the link is in the show notes. Every little bit helps. It just kind of makes it so that we can keep this going so that it has some longevity. So just think about it. See, see how you feel about it. Or you can support this podcast directly by buying us a coffee on our Ko-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so that is ko-fi.com slash GWBB podcast. Um, coffee start at $3 because that's generally the price of a fancy coffee and it just helps us keep the ship going. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is produced by Moon Bounce and powered by Pinecast. Boom, boom, boom. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening.